Blog Talk Radio. All right. Well, we are live, and it is Wednesday night, and this is our Wednesday night evening service for Temple Baptist Church in Clarksville, Texas. But we're glad that you're tuning in here tonight on Facebook Live and on simultaneously on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, i got folks calling in listening. We're thankful for everybody that's listening in, and uh, hopefully we'll get a lot more viewers uh, watching on here. And I um, just want to lift up in prayer first and foremost uh, our church members. We've got so many folks who are touched by COVID-19. Uh, if we were trying to get church up tonight in person, I think we might could get maybe three or four. So our, almost our entire church has uh, COVID-19. I don't know how I've been spared. <clears throat> it's amazing. I've shook every hand of every person who's got COVID. But so far, God has spared me from it, and I don't know why. But I'm grateful. My mother uh, is improving. Uh, there are so many that are improving. Brother Tony Stringer that we've been praying for, who uh, has been in hospital uh, on oxygen, he is he's improving, and we give God all glory and the praise for that. Uh, Sister Shirley Wise is improving. Miss Nell's improving. Um, Scott is improving. Um, I'm trying to think of all the names. I, I'm, uh, Donnie's family—they're all improving it. We know we've been on the we've been on our group text, but I just want to give God glory because people are improving, they're getting better, and I just praise God because He's touching the lives of our church members. and And so far, uh, with the exception of Brother Tony, who's been in the hospital, and uh, one of our church members, Sister Charlotte, her son Robert, who's also in the hospital. Um, everybody else has been able to maintain things at home. Uh, some have had to go get some oxygen, but. For the most part, everybody's been doing real well, and we just praise God for that, and we give God the glory. We also want to lift up in prayer Brother Grant Ennis, who is uh, dealing with pancreatic cancer, and, and he's also got COVID. So please, please pray for him and his wife, Bonnie, as well. Uh, Brother Dan, Sister Anya, so many people, so many people have got it. Uh, I know I'm leaving somebody out. It's just skipping my mind. But, but uh, Brother Tony's wife and, and his, his daughter, Haley, and, and uh, goodness gracious, I'm trying to think if anybody I'm missing. But if I miss you, it's only because that's my little feeble brain. But anyway, but it's good to be here. It's good to come to you. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to pray for Brother Byron and his, uh, and his hip. We're going to pray for all the family members, extended family members who are touched by all these things. And, and uh, Brother, Dan's, uh, Brother Dan's pelvis, he broke as well. So many things we need to pray for and pray for healing, pray for God's mercies, uh, people who, are, who have lost loved ones. Uh, for various reasons, and, and just here lately, and, and we want to lift them up and pray that God will give them peace and comfort in their time of need. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Let's ask God to meet with us uh, as we as we come together here as our church. Father in heaven, Lord, we come before your throne. And Lord God, we know you're God of all mercies. Lord, we know you're the author of mercy and the author of grace. And Lord, you know how to meet each need. And Father, we know that. You tell us in your word. You tell us in your word, if we, anything we ask in your name, you'll do it. Father, we're asking for healing in your name. And Lord, we pray, Father, we know we've seen in your word for time and time and time and time again that simply by faith they spoke the word asking and you and you, you granted it according to their faith. And, Father, we pray tonight that you grant folks healing according to their faith. Lord God, please restore them. Lord, they're your children. They love you. They've been washed in the blood of your dear son. And, Lord, their desire is to serve you and to, and to give you glory and to please you. And so, Father, we just ask, Father, that you send the healing that they need, Father, that you speed it to them right now. And, Lord God, we pray that as we come together as your church and we study the word of God and we worship together, Father, we pray you be pleased with our worship. Father, we pray, we pray you be pleased with our study of the word. Father, that the Holy Ghost of God would minister to us and touch us, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, just take the word of God and use it like a like a toolbox full of tools to fix the things that are wrong in our old lives, Father. We pray for this old sin-sick world we live in. Lord, we pray for this old decrepit government, Lord, that just seems to want to tear things down rather than fix things. Father God, we pray for those who seemingly love the wickedness of the devil and, Lord, hate the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father. We pray, Lord, that you come quickly, Lord Jesus. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we pray, Lord, that you bless our efforts in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a little bit tonight. So, uh, that's not like I do it to sleep. I will do it in G. Here we go. Rock to the 
Blessings of having to do church like this uh, is getting to see so many people who are who are tuning in to listen. I thank God to see my brother Mark Autry, and uh, who who played in the Marksman Quartet for a number of years. A good buddy from he's out he's out in Dawsonville, Georgia, or he was. I don't know. Maybe in South Carolina now. I'm not sure where he is, but he's ch- tuning in. Ronnie Goforth up in Nebraska. It's so good to see you, brother. Amen. Well, let's sing another one. Praise God. Uh, I won't say I remember what number I was going to sing. Oh, yeah, number 55. That's what I'm going to do. But uh, please pray for me tonight. It's not, this is not the way I'd like to do it, but uh, it sure is good enough. Amen. Getting to see folks tuning in is good enough. And I, and I thank God we're going to get the Word of God out tonight. So we're going to sing another. We're going to sing when we all get to heaven. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing. His mercy and His grace in the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare us a way when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory While we walk the pilgrim pathway Clouds will overspread the sky But when traveling days are over Not a shadow, not a sign We all get to heaven What a day When we all see Jesus, 
My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this, this evening. Father, I, Lord, I come to you and I ask you, Lord, for your, your touch tonight. Lord God, I pray, Father, for uh, forgiveness of sins. Lord, I just pray that you'd cleanse me, Lord. I, I'm, I'm just a man and I fail and I fall short. Lord, I, I want to walk up right before you, but Lord, I know that I fail you. I fail you every day I live, but Father, I regret it each time. Lord, I, I fail you on things that I don't do that I should do. And, Lord, I, I hate it every time I realize it. Lord, please have mercy on us. We're just sinful creatures in these old bodies. But, Lord, we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And, Lord, give us victory over this flesh. Give us victory to walk uprightly. Lord God, we just pray tonight as we come together around the Word of God that you would touch us, that you would fill us with your Spirit. Lord, that you would open our understanding and make us alive, Lord, like to, to receive the word of God. Make us, Lord, make us aware. I pray the Holy Ghost of God would stir us up on the inside, awaken our spirit, make us ready to hear what the word of God has to say. Lord, I pray for the ones who are suffering tonight. Lord, I pray, Father, that you go right to where they're at, right to their need. Lord, and alleviate that suffering. Open those lungs where they can breathe, Father. Lord, heal those bones that are broken. Lord, touch that cancer. Lord, and shrink it, Father. Remove it. Father, all the things we know that you have done, we know, Lord, many of us have testimonies of things you've done. And, Lord, we know that you're still in the miracle-working business. Father, God, the best that we know how, we lay our friends and loved ones at your, at your altar, Lord, tonight. And we trust that you're... Your will be done, Lord, and we ask it according to your Son and his shed blood. Shed for them, Lord, they're your children. And, Lord, as your children, we come to our Father and we cry, Lord, Abba, Father, please help us. And we'll give you the glory and the praise tonight as we meet around the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get into our study tonight. It won't take us too long to get through this tonight. probably won't take a whole hour. And uh, and I know that some of us on here, I see one on here right now, always checks me on that. Amen. But uh, pray I'm joking with him. But anyway, uh, let's look at it tonight. Number one, Verse number one, uh, again, this is a song of distress. It's a song of degrees, but the degree we're looking at tonight is distress. And, you know, I, 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 haven't, had, I haven't had this COVID virus, and, but I know the distress I, I, my heart began to feel when I found out my mother had it. I know the distress I began to feel when I found out that uh, one of our church members was was in the in the emergency room with it. I know the distress I began to feel when I found out that uh, Brother Grant, who's who's dealing with pancreatic cancer, has it. Uh, Lord, uh, Lord knows, you know, it's not panic, but it's certainly it's certainly concern. And and God God's not angry with us when we're concerned, and God's not disappointed with us that we're concerned, but it, it depends on what we do with those concerns. When we're in distress, what do we do? Do we wring our hands? Do we sit around and chew our fingernails? Do we, uh, we get sick at our stomach, or do we go to, to God and do we lay it at his throne and let him have it? Um, so anyway, in our, in our text tonight, in verse 1, David said this. He said, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. And I see things, three things here. It's threefold. I see, number one, I see distress. Number two, I see his prayer. And number three, I see deliverance. He came to God. He had, a, he had special trouble that was going on. This was something special that had happened. And I say special, I mean out of the ordinary. Something had overtaken him, just like this virus. Nobody expected to get it, but it, 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 it had overtaken him. It was some special trouble. He said, in my distress... And when you're in distress, there's not anything you can do, and and you don't know what to do, and and you know there's there's a sense of anxiety because we don't know how to handle it. Sometimes the things that befall us, uh, and we get overwhelmed. But when we're overwhelmed, we have a rock that we can go and stand on that will not move under us. And so, in his distress, this special trouble he's going in, he goes to the Lord. The Bible says there that he that he uttered a special prayer. He he cried unto the Lord, and I said this the other day, and I, I'll say this again. But when a, when you have a little baby, 
and I have one right now. I know I look too old to have one right now, but God's merciful, and God saw fit to give me a little daughter, the first daughter I've ever had. She is over a little over a uh, She's well. She's almost twelve months old. I mean, I'm sorry, almost fourteen months old, and uh, soon be fourteen months old. And and you know, even now, if she if she lets out a shrill cry in the middle of the night, it don't take long for people to start getting up and finding their way to her bedroom. You know, there's something about a, a helpless child crying out in the middle of the night that does something to a parent's heart. It makes a parent say, "I've got to, I've got to get to my my little one." I've got to take care of my child. And that's what David did. He cried unto his father. He cried unto the Lord. He cried out, Father, help me. Help me, Lord. And you know what? The Bible says God God gave him, granted him special favor because he heard him. Amen? So I look at this, and there's one way to look at it. You can say, well, it's terrible that he was going through distress. But let me tell you something. It's wonderful when we're going through a distress and we cry out to the Lord and he comes to our aid. He comes and fixes what's wrong. He comes and gives us what we're asking for. He comes to our aid. There's just a peace and a comfort in knowing that your father is there. There's a comfort when God shows up. You know it's going to be all right because God is in charge. And can't nobody, can't nobody shoo him off and can't nobody call it, uh, ask him to stand down. God is going to fix it when he comes. So I see that, you know, again, it's a threefold request. It, well, it's a threefold uh, verse, his distress, his prayer, and his deliverance. But it also has a threefold effect. I see three things in this. All right, number one, he said, uh, he said uh, in my distress, well, he was in distress, but you know what? He had a hope. His hope was in the Lord. He went to the Lord and asked the Lord for help. Even though it looked terrible around him, his distress, there was no, there was no help anywhere in sight. There was no, no uh, advantage to be had. But he, he had hope that if he went to God, God could fix it. God would fix it. So it excited his hope, the fact that he was in distress. He said, hey, I can go to God. So number two, it stimulates his prayer life. I'm going to tell you, I have prayed more in the last month than I have prayed, and I don't know when. When you start, when you turn out and have, you know, 85, 90% of your church or more uh, down with COVID-19, you talk about wanting to pray, you'll pray. And and our church members are praying. We have become prayer warriors, and we talk all day long and share needs, and, and, and that's the way it should be. But it, And I hate that it took us getting this, this down to finally get to where we're at that point, but it's it's done a work on us. It will. It will stimulate your prayer life. You know, Paul talks about over there in, in, in the New Testament where he talks about, you know, the three times he went to the Lord asking him to remove the thorn from his flesh. And, you know, what did God say to him? God said, and he said and it was a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And I, I don't think for one second this, this COVID-19 is anything but a messenger of Satan to buffet God's people and, and everybody for that matter. But, you know, Paul said, he said, I asked the Lord three times, take it away. And here's what, here's what the Lord said to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to rejoice in my infirmities. He said, "When I'm weak, then I'm strong. See, when I have when I have a a need, then I have a God who is able to meet that need and bring rejoicing and blessing into my life that I didn't have before. So, you know, again, it excites my hope when I have a distress because I know my God is able to handle it, and it stimulates my prayer life to go to Him." and talk to him and, and lay down everything at his feet to ask and seek and knock and expect the door to open, expect to find what I'm looking for, expect to, 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 for God to answer. God is, is a God who hears and answers prayer. And so it excites hope, it stimulates prayer life, and it, it arouses your gratitude. You know what? When God answers your prayer, there is nothing I know of any better than that. 
when God when God gives you the thing that you've been praying for and it finally comes through and you can shout and give him glory and tell everybody you know that God answered your prayer, I mean, tell you, you want to praise God. You want to tell everybody what God has done for you. And what a blessing it is to have a God who hears and answers prayer. Verse 2, he says, Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. So somebody was running David down. Somebody was telling lies. Somebody was spreading dirt on him. And, uh, you know, he said, Lord, you got to protect me from that. Deliver me from that, Lord. I, I'm crying out. This is why he's crying out in this distress, because there are people who are trying to ruin him. And I'm going to tell you, I, I know what that's like. I've been through that. I've had people hated my guts because of my stand on the Word of God, and they tried to take me down try to ruin me. There's some that did not like the way I preached, and they tried to take me down and try to ruin me. Uh, you know, the devil will do that. He does not like anybody who sticks to the Word of God and preaches a, a straight old doctrine of salvation. They, he does not like it at all, and he'll do anything he can to stop them. And I knew that when I got into this business. I knew it. I knew it when I came in to preach it. I knew the devil had a target on my back. I understood that. Every preacher does that, that that's, that's doing it right. He understands. But you know what? He also realizes he has a God that's a whole lot bigger, who's watching over him, who's got him in his hand, and who's taking care of him. And God is able to bless in the middle of everything that may be wrong in our life. Down in the valley of the shadow of death, as we talked about before, that's where God pours that oil over your head. That's where God builds that cup to overflowing in the presence of your enemies. So he says, the Lord, he says, you know, I've been unjustly slandered. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips. They've been talking about me behind my back. Lord, and I know that you're going to come to my aid. You're going to come to my rescue. And we do. We have him. We have God promising to avenge us. And protect us. But we have other comforts in, in that too. Now understand, you say, well, somebody's saying some awful things about me and they're not true. Well, join the crowd. I've had it a lot of times. I, I mean, I've had people call me everything in the world and accuse me of everything in the world. But listen, here's some things you can do along with trusting that God's going to handle it. Number one, you got the, you got the knowledge that you're innocent, that you didn't do anything wrong, and that should keep you going. Amen. Don't let it beat you down that people are talking trash about you and running you down because you know the truth. You say, well, you know, they're, they're turning people against me and everything else. Yeah, some, some will do that. And I can tell you this, the people that will turn against you without knowing the truth, they weren't your friends to begin with, so don't worry about losing. Your real friends will stick with you through thick and thin. Mine have. And I'll tell you, God, God's given me some good ones too. And the ones who didn't, I don't miss them because they were not my friends to begin with. Uh, so, like I said, we know that we're innocent, and so that keeps us going. Number two, we have the promise uh, of the divine favor of God. Amen? We have the promise of divine favor of God behind us. Listen to what Job said. Job said in chapter 5, verse 21, he said, Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue. You know, that people like to hurt you with the tongue. But God uh, God said there to Job, and Job said, Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue, neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. Your child, a child of God, again, is in God's hand. God's got you. God's not going to lose you. He's not going to drop you. He's not going to say, whoops, uh-oh, you're not going to fall out. God's got you. Amen? And he's got you under the day of redemption. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. So God's got you, and he's taking care of you, and he's going to be on your side, and he's going to protect you, and he's going to fight your battles. But you know he's on your side. Number three on this, you can consider this as well. Listen to what the Word of God says in Matthew 5, 11 through 12, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. That means when men shall talk bad about you and say things about you that are not true behind your back. Then I'm blessed. He said, and persecute you. They persecute me. And I'm blessed. He said, and they shall say, all men are evil against you falsely for my sake. For my sake. Huh. They don't like me because of who I belong to. They don't like me because I'm a Christian. They don't like me because I've been washed in the blood. They don't like me because 
God the Father is my Father. They don't like me because the Holy Ghost of God lives in me. They don't like me because my name's written down in the book of Lamb's Book of Life in Heaven, and I'm going to heaven. I'm guaranteed a home in heaven, and this book is my roadmap for life. They don't like me because of that. Matter of fact, they hate me because of that. But, here, but, but the Lord said, Rejoice. Be happy. And I know there's a lot of people who say, Well, why would I be happy? Because you have been identified with Him. You are different from he, from the rest of this world. You're different because of him. And you bear the marks of your Savior in your body in this world that doesn't love him, that hates him, can see those marks, and they hate you because of it. Okay, he said, Re- rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. God, wants, God is going to reward you for, for standing up... Uh, for, for the word of God, standing up for the Christian life and being Christ-like. I didn't say standing up fighting. I said standing up being Christ-like. So it's not to attack somebody when they're running us down. No, God told us. God God says you're blessed when you do those, when, when those things happen to you. And he says to, we're to rejoice, not to fight back, to rejoice. He said, for greater reward in heaven, for so persecuted they, the prophets which were before you. So so we, we know we're innocent, so we've got that to go on. We know God's on our side. And we also know that we're blessed and we're going to be rewarded in heaven for being persecuted for Christ's sake. And number four, that, that, that a lie, when somebody tells a lie, you know what, it usually doesn't have a long life because it's not based in truth and usually it goes away before too long. And, you know, the best part of it is if you just live a little while, it'll go away. If it ain't true, it'll go away. You know, they always say the best revenge is just good living. I can tell you the people that have attacked me years ago, uh, they don't, I don't ever hear none out of them anymore. And I can honestly tell you they, their attacks really didn't change me. It really didn't affect me that I know of. And, you know, looking back, I just feel bad for them because they were attacking a preacher because he was standing on God's word. And that's okay. That's, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. It didn't hurt, it didn't hurt me. If anything, it just toughened me up a little bit. It just showed me, you know, you're not going to have a, you're not going to tiptoe through the tulips in this life. You're going to get some thorns. So that's just part of it. People are going to hate you for your stand for Christ. <coughs> Verse three. He said, "What shall be what shall be given unto thee? What shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue?" What's going to happen to this one who's who's uh, running God's people down? Uh, the reviler, the mudslinger, the trash talker, all the same. They're all the same guy, all the same woman. And there are plenty of men and women just like that all over this whole world we live in that want to tear somebody else down because they don't like something about them. Uh, you know, I know your mom and your grandma both told you, if you can't say nothing nice about somebody, don't say nothing at all. You know, a lot of us would be a whole lot more quiet these days if, they, if we followed that old axiom, wouldn't we? Now, Facebook would be, it would be a silent place, wouldn't it? Except for people posting scripture, that'd be about all that's on there. But anyhow, that and food, I guess, and cats. But anyhow, uh, so what's going to be done? What should be given unto thee? What should be done unto thee, thou false talker, false, thou, thou, thou false tongue? Well, there's what the reviler does to himself, first of all. First Corinthians 6.10, the Bible tells us that nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That, what, is he, what does the reviler do to himself? First of all, the fact that he's a reviler tells me that he's lost and in sin. Because if he was a believer, if he was washed in the blood, he wouldn't be going around running down believers all day long, and I know you. some of you say, well, I see it on Facebook all the time, and if that's going on, people ought to be ashamed of themselves and they ought to get right with God. It's not our job to sit and tear down people constantly. I tell you, it's easy for us to fall into that trap, and I have to admit, you know, years ago, I, I used to get sucked into some of that argumentative stuff all the time, but I learned it's best not to do that. If you've got some scripture to post and to show somebody something, that's one thing. If you do it in love, if you're just on there to argue for argument's sake, uh, just clanging your swords around, I don't see how that benefits anybody who's trying to grow in grace to watch two grown believers arguing over something. Listen, go to that brother in private. Talk to him if you want to. But listen, you know, 
it doesn't do us any good to tear one another down. And we're talking about a reviler here. This is not somebody who's just simply arguing doctrine. This is somebody who's saying, you know, I hear people say, you know, you 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 stupid Christians, you you just lean it on your religious crutch. It's your easy way through this life. You just you don't accept any responsibility. You just put it all on your man your man in the sky. Listen, I thank God that my that my heavenly Father sent His only begotten Son to bear my sins. I thank God that I have a Savior, that I don't have to bear the punishment for my sins. I thank God that I'm forgiven, washed in his blood. But those who reject him, those who do not want salvation, those are the ones who are the revilers. Those are the ones who who like to talk ugly and and say horrible things about our Lord and Savior. Those are the the filthy mouths that get on TV and, and talk ugly and and, and, and curse and use our Lord's name as a curse word and, and mock Christians. Those, listen, God says they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They're going to burn in eternity in, for eternity in hell in a lake that burns with fire and brimstone in darkness, screaming in agony. The Bible says that, 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 that their, their worm dieth not and the, and the fire is not quenched. It's going to be a horrible, horrible existence forever without end. That's what they're going to do to themselves. So what they've got coming to them is, is horrible enough. But what should we do about the reviler? What should be given unto thee? What should be done unto thee, thy false tongue? What should we do? Well, I turn to First Peter two twenty one to twenty three for that. Here's what it says: For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. So we, what should we do about it? We should follow his steps. Who did no sin, Jesus, of course he had no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. Oh, they trash-talked him when he was on the cross, you remember? He saved others, yet, him, yet himself he cannot save. Come down from there if you be the Son of God. They mocked him. They spit at him. Spit on him. So, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. He let he, he said, Father, I am in your hands. So what are you to do when you're under attack? Are you to attack back? Are you to get revenge? No. As a believer, what you're to do, you're to put it in your Father's hands as you are in your Father's hands and trust him to do all the revenging for you. We're going to see that. But what you're to do, <clears throat> the Bible says we're not to. What we're not to do is we're not to to attack. We're not to seek revenge. We're not to to go after somebody. No, First Corinthians four twelve and labor. The Bible says working with our own hands, being reviled. What do we do? We bless. Being persecuted, we suffer. That's what the Bible says. So we're not to lash back out at people. We're not to get in a big argument and start getting our flesh and start saying things we shouldn't say. No, heavens no. We're, we're, to, we're, to, we're to do exactly what Christ would do, which is to, to pray for them. What did Jesus do on the cross? He said, what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'll tell you, anybody that attacks you for being a Christian, they don't know what they're doing. If they did, they'd get saved. They'd be a Christian themselves. So understand, they are doing it out of ignorance. They're doing it out of, out of pure ignorance or they're doing it out of willful stupidity because they just absolutely don't want God. And that is to be absolutely willfully stupid because they're going to pay for it for all eternity. So, again, the reviler sends himself to hell. We should bless and we should pray for him. But what will God do with him? Well, I, I turn to Nahum for that over in the crispy pages. It's one preacher likes to say. Nahum 1 2. It says, God is jealous. What's God going to do with him? God is jealous, and the Lord revenge it. The Lord revenge it, and he's furious. Hmm, I don't want to be in, I don't want to be standing in them shoes. The Lord revenge it, and he's furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserveth wrath for his enemies. I'm going to tell you, my friend, if you're not saved tonight, I'd get on my knees so fast, I'd call on God, I'd ask him to forgive my sins, I'd believe on Jesus, and I'd get washed and clean right then. 
I wouldn't risk it not one more minute. I wouldn't risk it another second. I'd get born again now. I wouldn't I wouldn't risk going to hell for all eternity. I wouldn't risk burning in the lake of fire and brimstone. Look at verse four. What's God gonna do? Sharp arrows of the mighty, coals of juniper. You see the slanderer, he fires away. He fires away with his arrows of mockery. He fires away with his 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 sarcasm and his laughter and his, his curse words and his threats. He's just firing one after another. Guess what? He's not the only one who's got a boat. Nope. Almighty God's got a boat. And Almighty God got some extremely sharp arrows too, and he's headed if he's headed for trouble if he's going to go up against God. Listen, David speaks about about God avenging him in, in Psalm 18. Listen to it, verses 13 and 14. You ought to go back and read Psalm 18 sometime if you hadn't read it in a long time. It's about God fighting our battles for you and uh, for us. And, and boy, when he talks about God coming down, God coming down like a like a storm coming down upon you. With black clouds, oh my goodness! I wouldn't want God coming down on me like that. That would that would terrify me if I were lost and I was reading that, thinking about God uh, being angry with me and having wrath in my direction. No, listen. David says he says the Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave His voice. You know, sometimes when a bad, bad thunderstorm's coming down on us, I'm in a big old supercell, and you can see lightning flashing, the skies on fire, and and the thunder's rolling. And you can feel the wind blowing everything, and everything seems out of control. You feel the power of that. And that makes people afraid sometimes. They get down in that hole. Sometimes they dug in the ground. They call it a fraidy hole because they're afraid what's, what's in that storm cloud. But realize that's nothing compared to what God is and who God is and his power. I mean, he, that storm cloud is nothing compared to God's wrath. People have no clue what they're headed for if they're if they're coming right up against God Almighty. They are going to regret it. They are going to listen to me. If you're hearing me tonight and you're lost, you are going to regret your decision to reject Jesus Christ. You are going to rue that day for all eternity when you're in hell and you're lost and you're screaming and everybody else is screaming around you and all you can feel is every nerve in your body on agonizing fire and there's no way to put it out. There's no way to escape it. There's no sure footing. There's clawing. There's biting. There's, there's again, fire, every nerve on fire forever. No relief, not a moment of relief, not one moment. It's not worth it. You say, I, would, I don't believe a merciful God would do that to anybody. A merciful God wouldn't do that to anybody without giving them a way out. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, which means they realize that they're lost and they're on their way to hell, and they turn around and they go to God, and they come to him in faith, and they say, I want to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross paying my sin debt, and I'm trusting him to take me to heaven when I die, that he paid all that was necessary, that, his, that by through his death and his burial and then his resurrection proved that God was satisfied, and he's alive forevermore. Now, I've gotten off track to get to the gospel to you, but I want you to get the gospel. So David speaks about God avenging and I want you to listen. Again, sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Listen to Job talking about the conviction of the Lord when he talks about arrows. In Job 6, 4, he says, For the arrows of the Almighty are within me. The poison whereof drinketh up my spirit. The terrors of God do set themselves in array against me. This is Job describing the conviction of the Lord when, when <coughs> God allowed Job to go through the trials he went through, and and God was showing uh, God was showing Job something. A lot of people uh, don't understand why Job went through what he went through. Job went through what he went through because he was a righteous man, and he was the Bible says he was upright, and and, and the Bible calls it perfect, but it doesn't mean without sin. It just means he was he was a fully mature, grown believer. He was a fully mature uh, believer in God, and he walked according to the Word of God. But yet, even though he was as good as a man could possibly walk upright, he still had sin in his life. And so God had to convict Job that he was, that he was, 
he was a sinner as well because you can't uh, listen. God's trying to show you if this man, if this man needs to repent, everybody needs to repent. So he said, God has shot me. Now he didn't literally shoot him, but he got him with conviction. And he said, the poison whereof these arrows, it's just like this poison arrows. They just took all the strength out of me. They, they drinketh up my spirit. And he said, the terrors of God just set themselves in array against me. Now, I know that feeling, and I'm sure if you're saved, you know that feeling too. That's the feeling of conviction. When God has you pinpointed, the Holy Spirit's got his finger on you, and there's nothing you can do to deny the fact that you are the one he's talking to, and you know exactly what he's talking about. Now, those are arrows that are being shot with conviction. Can you imagine what the arrows of condemnation are like? You know, I, I hear my wife sometimes talking about defending her babies if somebody was ever try to to, uh, to kidnap our little girl or, or try to hurt one of our children or something like that. You know, just, she's like, you know, I'm, you know, I, I tear them to pieces, you know, and I don't doubt that. I don't, I wouldn't want to get in between. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, you know, a parent, when you, when you listen to a parent talk about it, about, you know, if somebody hurts my kid, ooh, you know, tell him what I do. You know, again, that's a protect, that's, that's not, that's not a parent being hurtful or cruel or wanting to hurt somebody. That's a parent saying, there's a protective nature in me that God put in me. You take an animal, you mess with a, you mess with some baby cubs, uh, a tiger going to tear you to pieces or a lion going to tear you to pieces. Uh, you, you mess with some bear cubs, that bear going to tear you to pieces. Uh, I ran up on a wild, a wild sow in the woods one time and ran up on all her little baby piglets, and they all scattered. That sow came after me. Uh, listen, there's something in a parent that says, that, and God puts that even in animals. He puts it in He puts it in human parents, and he puts it in animals, too, to protect their young. And you know where that came from? That comes from God himself. God protects his children. God looks out for his children. God is going to, to make sure he's going to avenge his children. And that, that protective, again, that protective nature that God put in the heart of every parent, it rests in the heart of God himself. God has that nature. And again, we're crying out to him. We can expect God to hear us, and we can expect God to come to our aid. Verse 5, we got to hurry tonight. I'm, I'm dragging. Let me get into this and get done. Woe is me, David said, that I sojourn in Mesek, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. Now, Mesek... Uh, trying to remember, Mesek is offspring of Japheth. So I try to take that for what he meant by it. Uh, you know, Japheth is not in David's lineage. Um, Shem, Shem is the uh, the father of the Jewish people, what would become the Jewish people. And so Japheth is basically a, a strange lineage to David. Uh, when he talks about Kedar, Kedar that's, that's the, I won't say it's the second born of Ishmael. So, again, a stranger to him. So what's David essentially saying? He's saying, he's saying, I'm a stranger in a strange land amongst a bunch of strange people. Where he was at right now, he's running from Saul, I do believe, is, is what this psalm was about, is when he was running from Saul. And he said, you know, he said, I'm a stranger in a strange land. Psalm 44:22. Yea, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. We are as strangers in a strange land right now here in America even. We're, again, as Christians, as believers, uh, we, we are not the majority anymore. You would like to think so, but we're not. There are more non-believers in America, I do believe, these days than there are believers. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'm accurate on that. You know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of decent people, but there's not a lot of, sure enough, blood-washed, born-again people like they used to be. And, uh, you know, you turn on the TV, turn on the news, we're lied to. We're lied to, it seems like, by almost every politician, not all of them, but almost every politician. Uh, there's preachers, uh, so-called preachers. There's women in pulpits that are, that are uh, and, and prosperity preachers and, and all kinds of I mean, that, you, you, you will name it. You go looking for it in a pulpit, you can find one in a pulpit. 
I'm sure there's a drag queen somewhere in the pulpit. This, this whole world is so corrupt right now. It's so filthy. And I feel like a stranger in a strange land. You know, you, you listen to some, you listen to a, a, somebody, on, a preacher on Sunday on TV preach. Most time now, they're not preaching against sin. They're not preaching the blood of Jesus Christ. They're preaching a feel-good message for people who want to feel good. And, again, I feel like a dinosaur. I, I, I'm a stranger in a strange land. Um, again, we're protected by God as we walk through this dark land. We're, we're in the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, you know, in Lamentations 3.22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Again, we're in his hand. We're protected in God's hand even though our enemies are all around us. He's able to prepare that table in the presence of our enemies. Matthew ten sixteen, Jesus said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, but be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Don't, don't, we're not to go through a serpent. Again, a serpent, you don't even know he's there unless you just look down and see him. We're not to go through this world trying to tear things up and beat and bang and clang pots to get people's attention. We are to go through this world and trying to do the most good for the Lord, bringing most people into the kingdom of God. We're not trying to toot our own horn and say, hey, look at me. We're trying simply to communicate that lost souls need to be saved, that Jesus died for sinners, that sinners can come to Jesus and get everlasting life, that the blood washes sins away. That's our message. That's our message. You can be saved. That's our message. God loves you. God loves you because his son died for you, and he wants you to be saved. That's how he loves you, and that's why he let Jesus die for you. Let me say to you, listen again. Woe is me, David said. Woe is me. It's terrible. <clears throat> Did you know that no, nobody but the wicked enjoys the company of the wicked? Did you know righteous? Again, righteous people do not like to be around wicked people. It, it, it rubs them the wrong way. Um, did, you, did you know that no, nobody but worldly people enjoy being around the world? Christians don't enjoy it. Why? Because it takes us out of fellowship with God. Uh, did you know that, that none but the righteous enjoy the company of the righteous? Yeah, wicked people don't like you. Did you ever notice people when people who are wicked, when they finally do get talking to come to church, they act like the church going to fall in on them? They talk about stuff. You know, I'm afraid I go to that church, the church fall in on me. You know what it is? They, um, they're uncomfortable. You see, so I've seen over the years people come in, and you can tell that they're not that they're not. Uh, they're not comfortable there. They're antsy. They're ready to go. They're checking their watch, looking out the windows, looking toward the back. They're ready to go. You know why? Because we make them nervous. Because they, they sense we've got something they hadn't got, and they don't know what's up, and they, they get nervous about it. So they don't enjoy being around us until they become one of us. Verse 6. got to hurry. i got two more verses. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. That's what David said. David, he just he just said, I'm in a strange land. I'm, in, I'm among strange people. And for a long time, I've been around him that hates peace. We live in a greedy, bloodthirsty world, folks. It's just a simple fact. We really do. We live in a nation that used to be the, uh, such a wonderful nation that, that went to war and fought for freedom and liberty. But now we go and fight for resources that a country has that ours wants. It breaks my heart. But we live in a nation that doesn't want peace anymore. Oh, the people may want peace. The government does. The powers that be don't want peace because there's no money in it. When people have peace, they have freedom and liberty. They're at rest. They're not reliant, dependent upon government. They begin to rely on God and, and more more so, and they begin to, 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 again, to become less dependent on government intrusion and, and protection and and, and all those programs, when people get free, they're free indeed. They don't need somebody to hold their hand because they've got God. Peace and freedom go hand in hand. To have peace, there's no struggle, there's no conflict. To know God is to know freedom. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see, we're in, we're in danger of losing freedom today because we dwell among people that hate peace. We dwell among 
a lot of people who who really want government, uh, our government to be socialist or communistic. And listen, there's no peace there. Oh, there won't be any peace. Our children, our grandchildren, are going to grow up in shackles if the Lord doesn't turn, turn and come back soon. If the Lord does does not come back soon, our 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 children, grandchildren, are going to grow up uh, in servitude and shackles because they're not going to know what the freedom and liberty that we enjoy it is until we teach it to them. And it doesn't start in the history book. It starts in the Word of God because liberty is from the Lord. Freedom comes in knowing Jesus. Again, now we're on to verse... We're on, well, we're on to verse 7. Last verse here. David said, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. He said, I'm for peace. You know, good men love peace. Uh, good men pray for peace. Good men seek peace. Good men pursue peace. Good men will do anything but wrong for peace. I'm a peaceful man. Most Every believer I know is a peaceful person and seeks peace. Uh Matthew 5, 9, the Bible says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. God's people are to make peace. Our, our job, matter of fact, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every, every creature. The gospel is the good news of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ, through his grace, through his shed blood. And when, when somebody trusts that shed blood to be applied to their sins, to have them washed away, they believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead for them. They can have that peace that passeth all understanding. So we are to be the peacemakers. We are to go and tell them how to have everlasting life and have peace with God. So, again, he said, I'm for peace. But he said, they are for war. These are Christ's enemies. because, And, and they're his enemy because of his love. They're his enemy because of his good words. They're his enemy because of his good works that he did, and they crucified him. And if we run up against those that despise our Savior, we shouldn't think it strange if they love us any less than they do him. Listen, don't get your feelings hurt if some people return your kindness with hatred. If some return your concern with cursing and obscenities. Don't get your feelings hurt. They did that to Jesus. They did that to Jesus again. Everybody's not going to like you. Those that are wicked are not going to like you because they don't like who you serve. Proverbs twenty nine twenty seven says, An unjust man is an abomination to the just. Yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> again, we see somebody living in outright mockery of God somebody living their life uh, in, in just absolute disregard of the Word of God in outright vulgar sin, it's absolutely an abomination to us because we know it's an abomination to God. It's not because it's, it hurts us. It's because we know that it, it violates God's commandments. But guess what? When they see us, oh, they, it's just like a mouthful of vinegar. They can't stand it. Ugh, how can they be that way? They don't understand how to live. You know, they don't they don't know what's good. They don't know what's fun. They're just wasting their life. I've heard so many people talk. I've heard so many people say so many things in ignorance because they simply don't know the victory that I have. They don't know the peace that I have in my heart. They don't know the love that flows through me. See, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to judge anybody. I don't want to come down on anybody. Listen, I don't do that because I, I don't say things I say because I want to hurt people. I tell them the truth because the truth will set them free. You know, God God wants them free. And you know what? If, if the Son of God make if, if if the Son make you free, then you're free indeed, completely free. Every real Christian wants peace. And someday the Prince of Peace is going to sit on the throne of David in Israel, and there'll be peace on earth. There won't be peace until then. Until that day, my friends, we are in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. How do you do it? You fight on your knees, but you love your enemy. 
Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. That's how we fight back, huh? That's it. That's it. So you don't have to be exceptionally strong to do that. All you have to do is be able to pray. And everybody can do that. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, said the Lord. God's saying, listen, we're not, we're not to fight back. What we to do, we're to cry to him. We're to tell him we're being attacked. We're telling him that we've been, we're being uh, uh, slandered. We're to tell him that we're being persecuted. We're to tell him that we're, we're being run down. And let him handle it. And we're to love that person and we're to pray for them because if they knew what they were doing, if they understood, they wouldn't be doing that. They're only doing it because they don't know what we know. They don't have what we have. Again, I'm going to continue on. I'm going to read that verse. Read verse 19 through 21 and I'm doing. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. Don't seek revenge, but rather give place unto wrath. Let it go on by. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. God says it's mine to do that. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, now get this, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him a drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heat coals of fire on his head. What does that mean? It means that he can't figure out what in the world you're doing. I mean, it just, you know, he can't understand it. It blows his mind. I guess that's God's, that hot coals of fire on your head. I guess that's, maybe that's an old world euphemism for blowing your mind. Because I, I, I feel like that's what it would do. Confusion and just absolute mind blown when somebody's mistreating somebody and they're loving them in return. It absolutely messes up the devil's plans. So God's saying, you just be, you just be Christ-like. You be like Jesus was when he was on the cross of Calvary when they were spitting in him and mocking him. You just bless back. You just pray for them. You just love them in return. Just like Stephen. Stephen, Stephen said, Lord, let us not sin not to their charge. When they were stoning him to death, what was he doing? He was being Christ-like. And you and I are to go and do the same thing, to love others for Christ's sake. It says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. My friends, that's that's our job. We are to overcome evil with good. David was going through a terrible time in his life. Saul was trying to kill him. Saul was chasing him down, and David had done a thing wrong. David had not done anything wrong but kill Goliath and, and, and rescue the children of Israel in God's power, in God's hand. He delivered children of Israel from Philistines and uh, Philistines, and, and what happened was Saul got his feelings hurt in the process, so Saul wanted to kill him. It was all his flesh. It's all it was. David's on the run. David's in a strange land among strange people. We're doing right. Hadn't done a thing wrong. But yet he's being he's being run down. He's being talked about. He's been slandered. He's he's on he's being hunted. And what is he doing? He's turning over to God. Matter of fact, he had an opportunity to kill Saul one night. And he was right there. And what did he do? He just cut off a piece of his coat to let him know he could have killed him, but he didn't. We're to turn it over to God. Let him have our battles tonight. We're to turn that COVID battle over to him, church. Turn it over to him. I know you are, but I'm just encouraging you to remember, turn it over to him. Because if you try to hold on to it, it's going to eat you alive. Turn it over to him and let him have it. He knows all about it. He's seen the future. He knows the future, and he's got it. We're going to, we're going to trust him all the way home. We're going to trust him all the way through all of this. And we ask him tonight for peace for our church members and our family members and for all these who have tuned in to watch us tonight and listen. Thankful for every one of you that's watching. I see some names on here I hadn't seen before and seen a long time. Just pray God will bless you. Pray God be with you tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we dismiss. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you so much. Thank you, Lord, for, for being so good, so faithful. Lord, you've been so good to me. I didn't deserve any of it, but I'm sure thankful, and I want to praise you tonight for your your mercy and your goodness to me. 
Lord God, I pray for the ones tonight who are who are suffering, going through afflictions. Comfort them in their affliction. Help them in their sufferings. Lord, there may be somebody listening to me tonight who's been attacked, maybe on the job, maybe by someone they used to think was their friend. Maybe somebody's a, a pastor who's been attacked by, by somebody in their church. I know that happens a lot. Lord, I just pray, Father, for them that they'll keep their eyes on you. Lord, I don't know the needs of everybody out there, but I do know this. You do. And, Lord, you're more than capable of meeting every need. Father, I pray the Holy Ghost of God would stir us to be a witness for Christ in the days to come. Lord, I pray you'd send folks our path that we can lead to Jesus. Lord, please bless our church. Bless our church, all our church members, Lord, their families, and everybody that's listening. And we'll give you glory and praise tonight. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you again Sunday morning. More than likely, we'll be coming to you by this uh, by this means on Sunday, and then hopefully, maybe by beyond Sunday, we can resume our uh, normal schedule in our church building. But until then, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep on going like we're going. Jeannie Brooks, listening to us from England, my sister from over there, and we just appreciate her. She's been my friend now for a number of years. What a what a blessed soul. Thank you, sister. God bless you. Uh, for the rest of you, thank you for listening. And uh, we look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. God bless you and have a wonderful night.